Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Thursday evening. Joining me from New York City, rare time at home in the early going of the season, it's Tim Bontemps. Howdy, guys. He came in. He came in like a like a a firecracker there. Joining us from Memphis, excited Tennessee. to talk about hoops. Memphis, Tennessee, where he's going to be at Friday's Grizzlies Wolves game, is Ban McMahon. Howdy, partners, and I do have a trademark on the word howdy when it comes to this podcast. Bon Timps, use some Yankee word. Howdy, partners. Is there anything else that howdy, partners signifies other than this greeting on this show? Uh, There's a hit YouTube show uh, by that name, hosted (laughs) by me. Would you like to join sometime? We can can talk offline and make arrangements. I don't know. You have to speak with uh, my representatives. all right, uh, we will Sad be getting thing is to. You're not kidding. <laughs> we will be getting to the people who book who book my schedule, which uh, today was uh, seven different hits on four shows because uh, we love the Lakers and Nets when they're in a mess. But we're not talking about that. We're going to start off talking about the Suns, although we will be getting to the game that McMahon is going to cover on Friday because those two teams are two of the more interesting teams in the early going here. Um, Phoenix. So Suns we're, we're agreeing this is Lakers and Nets free. This whole podcast, yes. no Lakers, That's no Nets. Right. I think we should institute the ban. I think we should institute the ban permanently going forward, barring eh. change in news. I think it's a little bit down. irresponsible, but um, yeah, we're not going to talk about it today, uh, barring some sort of breaking news that happens. And I did say we record this. Podcast. I did say barring change in news. There's news. It's one thing, but I'm just being bad. I sure hope not. Um, the Suns beat the Wolves on Wednesday night. They're now eight and three. And that's in and of itself not that big of a deal. They're one of the best teams in the league. But they've had some some drama this year. Um, and mm, re- recently so. it's been injuries. Um, so they lost Cam Johnson for four to six weeks. Um, he had knee surgery earlier this week. Uh, Bontemps, you saw the Suns, was it Monday in Philly? Monday, Monday night in Philadelphia. Yep. A game they lost. Uh, they had, they have had a home, uh, a home heavy schedule early on and they're on a road trip right now. Uh, but Chris Paul is dealing with heel soreness and he missed the Minnesota game. I know you talked to him after the game. What did he, what did he say? And did you believe it? I mean, he was very reticent to speak to me and Dwayne Rankin from the Arizona Republic did his best to not speak to us and run away, but we got him to say about 10 words and the very short version was it's not a big deal and I'm fine. I didn't play on Wednesday um, in Minnesota where they got slaw or they slaughtered the wolves, which we'll get to in a bit. But um, you know, I was looking even before that game and even watching that game. I mean, I think, the Chris Paul situation in general, assuming his heel is not something serious. I think the Chris Paul situation is a problem um, for Phoenix this year. I mean, you look at his numbers across the board and, you know, he's in his age 37 season. His points per game are way down under his, under 10 a game for the first time in his career. It's, it's just bounced up a little bit to 11. I mean, he's averaging 11 assists a game, but he's uh He's shooting 27% from three. He's shooting 36% from the field. He, you know, it, it's, it seems pretty clear that he has lost a bit of a step. And for as good as the Suns have been early, um, and they've carried over, you know, their regular season play from the last couple of seasons, I think we all would agree for them to be the team they want to be in the playoffs. They need the Chris Paul from the New Orleans series and the beginning of the Dallas series and not the one that showed up and was it game three, McMahon, when things went sideways uh, in that pretty series? Much games three through seven. Right. Yeah, he, so, like, a, yeah. So, whatever happened from game two on has carried over basically into this year. And it, it, you know, again, heel issue aside, obviously, if he's got a real injury, it's a problem. But even before that, he has not looked like, you know, the guy with who's going to play at the level they need him to. Well, the shooting is what's so remarkable um, because he's always been an efficient shooter. Mm-hmm. He had that game in the playoffs last year where he went like 17 of 17. 
Um, I was, uh, you know, Chris isn't always 100% truthful with the media. Is that a fair way to say? Um, yes. Say it's accurate. But uh, he was uh, after every injury. I'm okay. I'm okay. His hamstring is like ripped into shreds in the Western Conference Finals. I'm okay. I'm okay. Right. He's got a wrap on his thumb. I'll be fine. He's out for six weeks. Um, he went like 15 to 15 or 17, some crazy number in the closeout game. And um, I remember asking him. He there was a there was there was a shot at the end of a quarter where he passed it and another guy heaved it. And I. Um, I said to him, boy, it's a good thing you didn't heave it because then you, you ended up setting an NBA record. And he goes, I, he, like, he was good-natured about it, but he was like, I would have taken that shot. I don't care if I'm 2-2 two two or 2-10. Two I'm always shooting. But anyway. Um, well, but- just a couple, a couple other stats real quick just to sort of back this up. His usage rate is down to 15%. League average is 20%. He was basically at 20% last year. And he's being assisted on way more shots than he was last year. I mean, he just looks like a guy who's gotten old. Well, he was, he's, the point is he's been very, very efficient. His last three years, sort of his um, late career renaissance, 49% last year or two years ago, 50% last year, 49%. So 37% so far. So the point is though, Cam Johnson is hurt. Chris Paul is banged up and not having a good season. Jay Crowder is working out and posting videos from Atlanta. Um, and they are eight and three. And what I, one of the, you know, I, you know, we're talking about Chris Paul's struggles here out of the gate. It's not really the point I wanted to make about the Suns. The point I wanted to make about the Suns is the DNA of a, of a highly competitive highly focused team that impressed the heck out of so many people and really made them be considered a favorite, maybe not the favorite, but a favorite to win the whole thing last year after going to the finals two years ago is representing itself. Um, They are handling their injuries. Uh, Aiton was banged up a little bit. He's come back. Mm -hmm. They're handling their injuries and specifically Devin Booker is having a spectacular season. He is right now, um, you know, granted 11 games in, having his best season of his career. He is basically never shot the ball better. Um, you know, we're still early on and the margins are narrow. He's never scored at this level before, although scoring in the whole league is way up. But he's averaging 27 and a half. He's never averaged, uh, he's never, sh- you know, shot the three this effectively. He's getting to the line. He sh- he's, He's showing great leadership. Uh, Mikhail Bridges, who we, uh, you know, were thinking was, you know, going to maybe take a little bit more of a step this year is having a great season and they're getting tremendous contributions and leadership from their whole roster. And so while I don't know if their next few weeks will go great because they're dealing with so many injuries, I have been impressed with them and continue to be impressed with how they've handled some level of adversity this season, dating all the way back to training camp. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think that we focus too much on the teams that are underachieving. This mm-hmm. is a team that, frankly, considering all of the, the things going on, may be slightly overachieving at this point. I mean, you, you say adversity going all, all the way back to training camp, adversity going all the way back to their meltdown in the playoffs and the contentious summer uh, with two of their key players, you know, DeAndre Ayton and Jay Crowder. Um, you know, I, I still, I just don't understand the Jay Crowder situation. Um, I actually was talking to an executive last night, and, and his point was like, why didn't they just say, hey, Jay, you and Cam Johnson are competing for the starting job going into camp, and then, you know, move forward like that. I, and at this point, whatever, I don't understand that at all. I don't understand just letting him sit home. Uh, when the guy who took his starting job is out for uh, at, at least a month, if not longer. But, well, I think at hey. this point, it'd be hard to bring him back. By the way, from what I understand, Jay was like just not around all summer. So functionally, well, almost all their guys were there all summer. Obviously, some of them are leaving, going on uh, vacation or whatever. They haven't seen Jay around Phoenix since May. So um it'd be really hard to, I know that that's the logical thing. Oh, okay. Bring him back right. in. But I, I, I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. I understand. I just don't understand the whole thing, but 
again, let's not, I've, I have kind of expressed a lot of pessimism about the Suns all summer long. They have uh, played great despite all the uh, challenges, all the circumstances. I think your point about Booker is absolutely on the money. Uh, he, he's, he's, you know, he's right there knocking on the door of superstar status. If you, if you don't want to uh, declare him a superstar already. And I think McCall he's a Bridges, superstar. Bon Temps, is he a superstar? Yeah. I think, He's got a he's got a super max. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I whether he I mean, look, he he's a, he certainly is a borderline top 10 player at minimum. I mean, he's right. He's like McMahon said, I mean, and he's been he's been awesome to start the year. I, he's been I mean, I, I saw him on Monday. I thought even though they lost the game, he was fantastic in the game. He's the only reason it was competitive. Um, You know, he's been really, really good. Yeah, I don't want to get bogged down in a discussion about the semantics of superstar he is a he's an all nba caliber player no question mm-hmm. about he's that. a guy you're very and, happy that you have on a super max to your point yes and then i th- i think the point about Macau bridges taking a pretty significant step forward is crucial you know you talked this summer about thinking that hey he's got more in him there there is more to Macau bridges game than he's been able to show as, as a third or four, you know really a lot of times fourth uh option um and he he's showing that. I mean, he's shooting the ball fifty nine percent from the floor. He's averaging sixteen and change, a career high, shooting it well over forty percent from three point range. Obviously, one of the best wing defensive players. Um, you know, if they keep winning like this, he keeps producing like this. I think he's going to have uh, a, at least a case to be made for him to to be considered in the All Star uh, conversation. Well, I mean, and the reason I started with the Chris Paul thing is like to me, like no offense to the Suns starting off eight and three for all the points that man made. I mean, we talked about it in the preseason. You were skeptical about what they'd be able to do this year. While I gave them credit for winning these games, I sort of put them in the same phylum that Utah and some of these other teams in the mm-hmm. West have been the past couple of years. Well, like, I don't really care what they're doing in November at this point. Like, let's see what it looks like when they get to April and May and June, because that's all they're focused on anyway. Like, you know, obviously they're off to a better start than some of these other teams, the Warriors, the Clippers, some of these teams that have really stumbled out of the gate. But you just look at their roster and you, you have Kate, you have Jay Crowder who's just not there. Now you have Cam Johnson who has a knee injury. Chris Paul doesn't look right. The bench is pretty weak. I mean, they're, it's just like Devin Booker is fantastic, and that's why they're eight and three. But to me, just a lot has to change going forward. If they want to get where they want to go, and after well, look, the way if Chris things, Paul is, if Chris Paul is in bad shape, then they're they're going to be in trouble. That's true, no matter what. Well, I know, but Although that's when just he missed why... when he missed games last year, they were still able to not just keep their heads above water, but but win. Uh, you know, he it, right. But when he when he faded in that series uh, in the second round, they didn't win. Right. Yeah, so, they can be a good regular season team. Right. Um, even if he has, if he's not the Chris Paul that, that uh, we've come to know over the last decade and a half, but they can't be a contender. I think that's fair. Also, well, that's, that's, say, I'm just looking. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, man. No, I was just going to say, this is the kind of analysis that people come to the hoop collective for. They want to hear Tim Bontemps, the urine soaked wet blanket, just smother in urine his grossness and his gloom and doom. Uh, a, a team that <laughs> here we are talking about, Hey, this team's over achieving and Bontemps is like, yeah, let me tell you all the things that are jacked up here though. Well, look, yeah, I mean, is, I, I would probably people I, come to the hoop collective for, for us to say that in the last few days, from what I understand, the Suns have picked up their Jay Crowder conversations um, okay. and tried to re-engage on some old talks so I am told. Now, does that mean that they'll find a deal? I mean, obviously they have some some impetus to do that. I mean, you know, it was bad news that Cam Johnson got hurt, but good news that he was able to have a surgery where it was a partial removal as opposed to a repair, which would have meant him being out for the year. Mm-hmm. And so that is, you know, I would say that on the injury front, they got good news this week, even though he's out for a long time. Um, and so they're re-engaging and taking a look. The problem is, is that Jay Crowder is a rental player. Mm-hmm. Jay Crowder is a guy that not every team in the league is going to be interested in. And if you're trading Jay Crowder, a perimeter wing, a three and D player, 
ideally you'd like to get a perimeter three and D player back. And that is hard because the team that is training for that is what wants the same thing. Hell so yeah. Why, to, why would they, if they've got a good one, why would they trade them? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, like you said, for a rental. And to be clear, when you say the Jay Crowder talks, you're talking about talks about trading him, not talks about, Hey Jay, we're paying you like 10 million bucks. Can you maybe come here and play some basketball? So you don't front, think there's any way he's ever in a son's uniform again. Well, I would never say never. I would never say never on that front. And I have to say that today is Thursday afternoon. I can't tell you what's going to happen in three to seven to 12 days or what's happening at this very second. But the last time I checked in on it, I was basically told there is no change. There is no mm-hmm. effort by the Suns to bring Crowder in. There doesn't seem I've to heard be the same interest. thing for what it's worth. So, um, I think they're looking to trade them now. The how figuring out that trade, they may just because they're trying to maybe a little bit more aggressively, knowing that Cam Johnson's out a month to two, doesn't mean they're going to find a deal because, like I said, it's going to be complicated. But before we move on, and Bon Thompson, I know you have one more thing to say about the Suns, but I just want to go back to Bridges real quick. One of the things, I mean, one of the reasons I respect, first off, the guy plays every game, I don't think he's missed a game in like three years or, or something. Has and he ever missed a game? Uh, I, hmm. I think he's missed a couple. Think... We led the league in games played in three of the four years he's played in the NBA. Um, his second right. year, I think, I think, so 1920, he played 73 games, but not every team played the same number of games that year. he may have. I think he's either he's either missed none, he's either missed none or one or two. I'll look it up while you're talking. All right, but so I just admire the way he plays, but. He he's scoring more points per game. He's scoring two more points a game, but he's taking the same amount of shots. So he he's, he got there. He's shooting fifty nine percent from the field. And by the way, mm-hmm. he has shot over fifty percent from the field the last three years. You know how hard it is to be a perimeter based player in today's NBA and shoot over fifty percent from the field. It's not easy. Effective field goal percentage, okay, but. He and he's shooting it even better. He's shooting 88%, 87, 89% from uh, the uh, from the free throw line. And he's shooting a career high 46% on threes. That means that this guy right now is scraping right along a 50, 40, 90 campaign. Now, granted, we're 11 games in, but you're talking about a guy who is not taking more shots. So he's not saying why I got to be more involved, but he's being more productive in addition Mm -hmm. to being one of the best defensive players in the league. I mean, not only that, he's a 0.0% stress guy. He delivers, plays every game. I mean, obviously you'd rather have Michael Jordan in his prime if you had a choice, but how could you not love having this guy in your locker room? I mean, and, and his contributions have been vital for the Suns going forward. So, um, I know that they've got some issues, but looking at Bridges, um, man, uh, I'm such an admirer of the way he handles his business. Um, I mean, he's he's an elite 3 and D player who is blossoming into being much more than that on the offensive end. He's under a great, I mean, the, ex- the extension number they got him at before, I believe it was last season, extremely team-friendly, and the dude never has missed a game. I just looked it up. Has never missed a game. Plays hard every single night yeah look i mean i yeah he's awesome and the devin booker to me might might be second to honest in mvp voting right now like and he's been he's been fantastic too well like, you're gonna get them dallas folks all fussy with you well look i mean there's a lot tatum has been awesome luke has been awesome booker's been awesome i i think you can there's Giannis and then everybody else but you know, like I said, I just I give the I, it's not that I I think the Suns have been great overall. I just am looking ahead to the spring because I expect them to be there. So that's just watching them the other day. You know, you like Jock, like Monty Williams is talking about Jock Landell starting a power forward. Like, hmm. you know, they just don't their bench is just not very deep, and it's one of the things that caught up with them last year in the playoffs. You know, you talk a big man about why isn't Jay Crowder back? Like, you know, Monty Williams is a guy who believes in good vibes around the team and wanting 
the mood to be upbeat and they really like where they were at where last year, they didn't make any trades at the deadline and you could see that come back and bite them a little bit in well, the they playoffs. Traded for they traded Craig at the, at the deadline. I, I meant more in terms of getting another guard in the backcourt right. and that they didn't do that. And that ended up biting them when they didn't have enough scoring punch in the playoffs. And, you know, I, I think this is a similar thing. Some teams might look at this and say, Hey, we need to bring Jay Crowder back. I don't think that's how Monty Williams is wired. And the only other thing I'd say is just to follow up on your point about talks re-engaging. I'm not sure they ever really stopped doing it. I just think there's to your point, I just don't think there's a lot of options for them in terms of finding a trade for him. And I just don't really know when that situation is going to change because it, like you said, they're they're in a difficult spot because they're trying to trade him and get back players that can help him win. There's a lot of teams around the league that are trying to win right now. Yeah. So, so the, the teams that I've months. the teams that I've heard that they've talked to, and I'm not going to say who, and I'm not going to say for what players, but I will say the trades that I have heard floated to me are like where they would trade Jay Crowder for multiple players, some of them younger, um, and they're just maybe not in theory, as good as Jay Crowder, although maybe the combination of those two players that they might ask for would help, but I don't know. It's just, it's a hard trade. Um, Devin Booker last night, this is according to Dave Moore, who covers the Timberwolves, uh, late in the game when they were finishing off an evisceration of the Timberwolves. Uh, Devin Booker yelled at the Wolves bench, quote, we play team basketball, we share the ball. Um which it's is, very hard uh, not to love Devin Booker and how he approaches everything. I'll say that. He, yeah, he just he, uh, he, really, he, he he chirps a lot. He does chirp a lot. It's entertaining. This what is I mean. pretty this he's, is pretty he's harsh, fun on every level. Chirping right here. He he I just like how he handles his business. He's kind of like uh he's louder. Uh he's a little bit more active in that regard than um than um, Bridges. But uh, the point is he was taking some shots at the wolves and the wolves. Not inaccurately. Not inaccurately. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup blue and ready for the play. And boom on Yeho tequila came in with a smooth assist to hypnotic's tropical fruit finish shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Wolves have been one of the most disappointing teams. They're five and seven, um, and they've played almost all their games at home. Out of their first, uh, out of these first 12 games, they played nine of them at home. I do think, though, we have to acknowledge like it was outstanding sportsmanship by D'Angelo Russell, you know, his tribute to Chris Paul. Hey, Chris, you're hurt. You can't (laughs) play. I'm going to sit out of this possession and tribute to you. We won't have a point guard on the floor either. That was really sweet. And then the the Wolves went with that box and none defense. I mean, that was just (laughs) a great moment. Yeah. So what he's referring to, if you didn't see it uh, against the Suns, uh, the the wolves had a free throw and D'Angelo thought he was going in for the shooter, I think. And then, but he wasn't the guy who he was going, going in for was Torian Prince who had already sat down and um, he didn't go in and the wolves played um, uh, like a possession with only four defenders. Now Russell like came running into the game like, are you allowed to run into the game from the from the sideline? I don't know. Well, also, in, but... like, if we're being real honest, D'Angelo Russell sitting at the scorer's table, confused versus D'Angelo Russell uh, in the game, the defensive impact is not that different. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, it, I mean, it, look, I suppose it could have happened. It just was like a mistake. It, 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 but it, considering the way the Wolves have played, it's being used as uh, indicative of them being in the clouds. 
Well, they've had a lot of these moments. You, you, you know, they've got, they've, they've had a lot of little trending moments on, on Twitter, little clips that trended. None of them, none of them are good. You know, the, the Anthony Edwards standing with his hands on his hips, just, you know, basically all he might as well take out a billboard and say, I'm bored because I don't have the ball. Just to be clear, in case people didn't see it, he had his hands on his hips and stood on the wing for an entire offensive possession and just watched the other guys on the court. A late game in a late game after timeout play where they needed a basket. Yeah. And I talked to a coach who who played them recently and they mentioned like as much as obviously they're still trying to figure out spacing and some X's and O's things uh, with, with Gobert and, and towns and, you know, Ant has made it clear. Oh, it's so clogged up in there and, and all that sort of stuff. They're still trying to figure all that out, but he's, he, this coach said their biggest problems are interpersonal. And he mentioned like, Hey, you know, when we were switching everything and they would dump the ball down to Cat to because there's a guard on him, he basically said Ant checked out. Like, Ant, this is the extreme version of Ant checking out. Like, making sure everybody in the world knew he was checked out. But he said that's that's something that, that's been happening. Uh, it's a team that lacks leadership. It's a team that lacks maturity. And they better grow up fast and, and you know, find a direction. So I'm going to read you some stats here. Um, This is Anthony Edwards last year in that wild and crazy series against the Grizzlies. That six-game series, the Grizzlies won 4-2. He averaged 38 minutes a game, scored 25 points per game in that series, shot 46% from the field, 40% from three, 82% from the line. And if you watch that series, I wouldn't say he went, he didn't go like shot for shot with John Morant. But if you watch those two guys mm-hmm. go at each other, um, it was inspiring. About he guarded him, he guarded him pretty well, too. Yeah. Except, well, as well as you can guard game on, is on the line and he decided well, to gamble well, on the high I, side I know, for a steal and give up I'm an just, easy layup. I'm, yes. I'm not saying he was perfect, but he, he took on the challenge pretty, pretty well. No, you came out of that playoff series feeling like, man, Anthony Edwards is an ascending potential superstar, like talent. Like, I mean, the, the guy is can score. Uh, he competes defensively. Like, there's a lot to love about him. And part of it was personality, like just a fun but competitive personality. And man, the personality this year is it's been it's it's it ain't fun. So he's a career 77% free throw shooter. I just said that he was 80 over 80%. He's shooting 66%. And I and I'm not just saying like, oh my gosh, it's free throw, but I think it's indicative of his focus. We yeah. know he's a better than a 66% free throw shooter. He does not focused on it. And you know, Bontemps, you've been you you've been I I'm by the way, I'm right with you, but you've believed that this guy's gonna be like one of the league's next superstars, and he's He's having a good year stats-wise. He's averaging 21 points. He's shooting 45%, but he's not playing well. He's not affecting games. No, I mean, like you said, I mean, you came off of last year. I mean, I, I don't know if I'd quite say he was going to be an MVP caliber guy, but like you like you said, man, you said it perfectly. You watch that playoff series, and you think, all right, this guy is an ascending player, and th- this is the guy that this team is going to be hitching its wagon to going forward, and – like you, I mean, McMahon summed it up perfectly earlier. The vibes around this team are just awful. Like all you hear from people who've been around them is that it it does not seem good. The, you watch them in games; it doesn't look good. Then you look at the numbers. They have one lineup that's played heavy minutes together. It's their starting five. They're minus six. Uh, they're they're scoring under a hundred points per a hundred possessions, which in today's NBA is dreadful. In particular, um. You know, there's just basically nothing that's gone right. And look, they've played the first several games of the season. They've already played San Antonio three times. They've played Oklahoma City twice. Their wins are against Houston, uh, San Antonio, OKC twice. Should I look up their strength of schedule? Well, I don't know. I don't (laughs) look. And they their strength of schedule is better than it should be. Okay, so real quick, last week, you know, we did two podcasts that one day last week, like recorded one in the morning and then recorded one at night because of Kyrie nonsense. I had this, we had this whole thing on the Wolves that day and like they had the number one strength of schedule. 
because basically the, <laughs> because the Spurs record was so good and they played them three times. And I, and these guys rightfully admonished me for talking about the having number one strength of schedule. And but so it's an inside joke that has never been out there because that pod got lost to history. So well, and, and well now you've explained it. And with with just... Bon Temp's god awful trivia question, the worst trivia question in, in the hoop collective history. <laughs> well, we got a good one today. Um when you look well, at uh when you look at uh where this team is headed, I mean this was a team that was supposed to be winning right now. Like we all thought they were going to be good in the regular season. And... <laughs> yeah, they gave up four picks plus the guy they just drafted plus three rotation players to, to, to right. make a win now trade. That's right. And they're not winning now and it, it doesn't look good. And like, to me, if you look at concerning situations around the league, I know everybody's focused on uh, mm. the team in Southern California and the team here in, in New York city for good reason for being concerning situations. I think there's not a more concerning situation in the league right now. It, then if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves and you think about the price they paid to get Rudy Gobert, where they sit right now after a pretty easy start to the season when they should have got off to a good start. Um, and with, you know, it does not really seem like there's a ready-made fix. It's not like, like I know Rudy's been out with COVID, but it's not like they've had some catastrophic injury situation. You could say, oh yeah, you know, we get everybody back. We're going to be fine. Like their main core guys, um, you know, their, their traditional start, the guy, the starting five you'd expect to have, D'Angelo Russell, but, uh, Anthony Edwards, uh, Jim McDaniels, Rudy Gobert, Carl Towns, you know, they're, they've played 152 minutes together. Like that's up near the top of the league in terms of five man units. So they've had those guys out there a lot. They've played in 10 games and they've gotten their doors blown off. And that, that's pretty concerning. Well, and, so, you know, we've talked yeah. about, we've talked about, hey, there are some reasons that a slow start's not necessarily surprising, starting with the fact that Cat missed most of uh, all of training camp, most of the preseason because of his, you know, hospitalization. Uh, Gobert, they had to really kind of be careful with him coming off of, of a grueling Euro basket run to the, the to the title game with France. Um, you know, but the the other thing that happened was the Ant Man showed up way heavier than he should be. And, you know, Kat called him out recently for his diet, you know, put Popeye's on blast. Ant says, you know, it's not diet. I was just in the weight room so much. Whatever the case is, they put him on the official roster at 239, which that's the, a pretty clear way of the organization calling him out. You don't see teams list official weights like that. Uh, you know, he says he's down around 230 now. But, you know, I think when you talk about where's that explosiveness, uh, he, he'll tell you, well, everybody's in the paint. You know, it's it's clogged up in there, um, but he's not he's not as explosive as he was. That's part of. It. I just think this go bear trade. This obviously the spacing something they've got to figure out. The pieces that went out and was hurt by that. I, I think that's really affected his his. Uh, well, when I when I did when I did the piece um, on the wolves in the preseason about just how all in they were on Gobert as an organization. The first five or six paragraphs of the story were quotes from the holdover players. And all of them were talking about how stunned they were that the trade. And what was um, the first thing when you asked Ant, what's the first thing he said about the trade? I, it, I'm pretty sure it's the same thing he told me. You know, he I, said, I couldn't believe they traded. I couldn't believe Vanda was gone. Jared Vanderbilt so, was his best friend on that team. Well, well that's Patrick one of the Beverly things kind of become a mentor. That's one of the things that have kind of been whispered a little bit is that they missed Jared Vanderbilt and Patrick Beverly. Yeah. I mean, um, those guys were good for, and guess what? Vanderbilt's been good for the jazz. You know, Beverly's helped the Lakers win two games. Wait, uh, I so, said Lakers. <laughs> Oops. The jazz. Um, well, we talked about Carl, it last Carl week. Towns, on, no, go ahead, Carl Towns is averaging his fewest points in five years shooting his worst three-point percentage since he was a rookie, although it's kind of close to his second year. Not rebounding. Um, his rebounding is, let's see, his rebounding is slightly down. Um, down significantly Playing his normal from... defense. So I will say this. Um, plenty of time, and the, the players are saying, you know, just give us time, basically, and it's a reasonable thing. But I'll point this out. We're five and seven at Memphis Friday night. That's no gimme Sunday at Cleveland. 
next Wednesday at uh, Orlando, which, you know, that's not a walk. They close this road trip at Philly. This is a five-game road trip where, you know, having a winning record is going to be a big ask. If they have a winning record on this road trip, I'll take my hat off to them. Instead, they may have turned it around. Uh, They come back home, and then they play the Heat. So this next six games are going to test where they are, and they could go the wrong direction if they don't start getting some more traction. You know, and I really think that they need to figure out the point guard position. They need a real, you know, pure run the team type of point guard. Easy for me they to say. They should have gotten Conley in the Conley Gobert trade. Everything that I, they're saying. Well, my my understanding brought that up. You brought that up last week. I mean, whether it's going to happen or not, but like they need a leader. It's what you said before. That team is leaderless. And I've I've thrown out there just to be clear. This is a total like off the top of my head, flap my gums thing, hypothetical. But I threw out there, hey, you know, could you call the Jazz again and maybe get Conley and whatever salary filler and 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 dump D'Angelo Russell there? It's a financial transaction for the Jazz. It's a basketball move for the Timberwolves. Um, I saw the Jazz later that night and realized, like, no, that's not a possibility. <laughs> I'll just say that. Like, uh, does Danny Ainge have does Danny Ainge have it in him to trade Mike Conley or Jordan Clarkson? Maybe, but could, not could for D'Angelo Russell was what was what the message well, was. <laughs> okay, me. fine, but I mean, I'm not talking about, but I mean, just saying. I mean, the answer I, is yes. The answer, well, is no, the answer is, I, I, I wouldn't. I don't think Danny Ainge is going to be. Uh, blinded by um, warm, fuzzy feelings and a being the most pleasant surprise in the NBA. Man, both those guys are playing really well. Um, Danny Ainge gets an offer he likes for any player on that team. He will trade them. That That is so, what I will say. But just getting back to Timberwolves, two things. I think they've got to figure out another answer at, at point guard, and I don't know if that's a possibility during this season. And then I really think after this year, if this thing sputters and – it's a disappointing season. I think they need to consider putting, uh, you know, not putting them on the block publicly, but, you know, making some calls to figure out, hey, is there a blockbuster to be had for Carl Anthony Downs? Can uh, you? Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Okay. Though. All right. Well, but to, to McMahon's point, I, though, I hope they have this... Leon Rose's phone number. That's all I'm saying. Look, to McMahon's point, I this team... Gerson Rose is their old buddy. They're old buddy. They're old buddy Gerson. Yeah. Look, to, to McMahon's point, this team was built to win today, not tomorrow, not in two years. It was built to win now and worry about the rest later. And that's why, to me, this is the number one concern spot in the league because they they had sky-high expectations. They've had a very soft schedule. They're off to a rough start, and th- they got to figure it out on their own because there's not cavalry, cavalry coming. And it just looks like a team that's missing leadership. And like the number I'm one, not sure where that's coming from. The league that number one concern spot in the league that we're allowed to talk about on the podcast today. Well, I just think if you if you're meant to me, if you're Minnesota, like for everything they gave up in that trade right now, like the other situations we can't came into the season, nobody expected, you know, the team in Southern yeah. California to be good. Who was rational looking at it? The, the Wolves we thought were going to be really good, like they were supposed to be a really good team at least in a regular season. People are like, oh well, th- like I thought they're going to be as good or better than the Utah teams in recent years, which were I thought they perennial fifty-win teams, right? Yeah, I thought they would win a lot. I didn't know if they were going to be able to do it in the postseason, but I thought they were right. That win was that was the question. It was sort of, I mean, mm-hmm. to go back to the Phoenix conversation, it was like, all right, Minnesota's going to be good until April, and then let's see how this front line handles playing in the playoffs. And but they now, had an easy early schedule, right? They should be eight and four. Instead, they're five and seven, and things are going to start getting a lot tougher. All right. Trivia time, Bontemps. Yes. Trivia time. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. If only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast. The truth is, all the lift big, get big, and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting. 
and starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you want to be, Peloton encourages you to just start with thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can. Even if that's just a 10-minute low-impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30-minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. It's time for Hoop Collective Trivia. So, uh, there was some news about a guy on the Lakers, LeBron James today, who's out for some period of time. With it's a violation. Uh, well, I'm, I'm getting to <laughs> it because I looked it up as a result. This is this is about the trivia question. This yeah. is your preamble. Hmm. Well, LeBron is approaching Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most minutes in NBA history played. Um. So among active players, who are the other players in the top 10 in active minutes played In active minutes played? I'm going to say oh, Chris. These Paul. are guys. These are guys on rosters right now. So Chris. Okay, Paul, so so Mello's not not eligible here. Not not him. Not Dwight Howard. Not what about, Marcus uh, Aldridge. What about um, Russell Westbrook? Russell Westbrook is on the list. Chris Paul's not. No, Chris Paul is. OK, so we got. There was yeah. two of them, right? Yeah. I, I thought this was a good trivia question. It is a good <laughs> trivia question. There's gonna be there's gonna be some that I think you'll Derek, you're gonna struggle to Derek get. Derek Rose, or has he been too injured? Derek no, Rose. Derek Rose, Derek Rose is not close. Wait, I thought we've already answered it. No, I said the top ten. Oh, top ten? Hell, how much time <laughs> do you think we have on this podcast? That's the have two minutes to make guesses, I would think. You'd spend more time complaining than making guesses. <laughs> The top ten again. If I said again, if I said the top three, you could just like name two players and be done. Yes, James Harden is one of them. You Paul George, Kevin Durant on there. Paul George, Kevin Durant is on there. Paul George is not. I'm trying to think of old. Oh, yeah, Udonis Haslam's not on there. Udonis, Udonis, Udonis. The day. So this was funny. I looked this up. Udonis Haslam has played almost the exact same number of minutes as Giannis, who was like 15 years younger. Udonis <laughs> <laughs> well, hasn't played much the last 15 years. They're they're tied for they're up there. Udonis is down in like the 40s. Uh, Mike Conley, guy, Jeff Green. Mike uh, Jeff Green is just outside top 10. Mike Conley is either 10th or 11th. I'm checking right now because I have to do it on Basketball Reference. Uh, one guy, while I'm looking that up, one guy has not played a game yet. Uh, very prominent player who's an argued uh, about Hall of Fame candidate. Um, who's slowly working his way back into playing at some point this year. Pat Content. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good. You know, answer. I lost. A, I lost a Ramoa suitcase on a Pat Content. If you remember that, you're a real Pod fan. Uh, every now and then, Arnovitz. I never paid it up, by the way. I never paid it off because I was well, making Well, that's a, a joke. shocker, kind of like the dinner to Bontemps. <laughs> well, I did Which pay I'm, for Bontemps dinner. I'm the hook for no, half you, of that, but no, whatever. You didn't. No, you didn't. I, I did. Too. Is Al Horford on this list, by the way? That's he is 12th, one. and Conley is 11th. Uh, Chris Middleton's not the one who's... No. The guy, that guy is Andre Iguodala, who hasn't played a game yet. Oh, this year. Uh, I forgot he, I forgot he was on the roster. I don't know if he's working his way back or if he's just, <laughs> just sort of hanging out. I don't he's know. There's, 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 there's four guys left, and okay, the, just tell it to us. Well, the hit. I'll give you one hit before I, I, uh, I say who they are. They all either have played or play for the Raptors. Kawhi's not on there, is he? <laughs> no, no way. <laughs> I was going to say he doesn't play enough regular season games. Otto Porter Jr. One of the yeah, another guy who never plays. One of them was traded Kyle for Lowry. Kawhi. Kyle Lowry's one of them. Oh, Demar Derozan. Oh, okay. Demar Derozan's another one. Yeah. Then there's uh, a guy who's on the Raptors now, who's the one that I don't think you ever would have gotten, which is Thaddeus Young. Jamal. Oh, and yeah. then, and then the guy that. Jamal the, Jamal McGlure. And then the guy that started the whole uh, Raptors resurgence when he got traded was Rudy Gay. He's the other one. Oh, my God. Rudy gosh. Gay. Ah, Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay was like more than two years older than his head coach. 
<laughs> I knew you'd rip right. through the five or six of them were very it was like Chris, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, but there were a couple well, in there that I thought would be Rudy Gay is a former Grizzly. And that's the team we're gonna talk about before we go. There you go. There you go. Wonderfully jo- done job. Um, so I, I it was a, now everybody's talking about the, the Grizzlies and uh Desmond Bain and John Morant as the best back one of the best backcourts or if the best backcourt in the league. Um that was that's that's in vogue now, but we were talking about it a year ago. Well, and by everybody, barely John Morant. <laughs> to anybody who listened, yes. let in the locker room last night, they got hairy, man. They almost it was a very strange game against the Spurs where they almost blew it in the last minute of overtime. But Ja, boy, I mean, both him and Bain lit it up, both over 30 again. Ja, you know, top two, not two, top two, not two. Uh, he's, he's, and, and I asked Bain, I said, you know, so top two, not two, huh? He goes, what you think? Well, you know, hey, I'll ask the questions here, but they, they've got a case. <laughs> They're building the case. Bain, right, I will we'll give him the- credit, did say, you know what? We got to prove it in May and June before we get, you know, too, basically too high on that, but they feel like they're the, the, the most talented backcourt in the league and they've got a right to feel that way. I think, by the way, uh, two great guys too, as far by all accounts, right. Des Bain and John Morant. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, great. Like teammates, positive, uh, you know, guys in the locker room. I mean, you know, John, I mean, what a I great locker room, Steven Adams. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. It's a fun locker room. It's a fun team. All um, right, listen to these stats for Des Bain. 25 points a game, mm-hmm. five rebounds a game, five assists a game for Des Bain. How about that? That's a, that's not a bad number right there. He's shooting 46% on nine three-point attempts yes. per game. That's no joke. That, I don't think Steph Curry's ever shot that high of a percentage on that many uh, attempts a game. Well, Curry's you, like topped you, out 44% is- or so. Yeah, you can argue that Desmond Bain is the most devastating three-point weapon in the league aside from Steph Curry right now. Steph still puts up such a crazy volume, um, but the Bain is such a great developmental success story. And, you know, we when he's the last pick of his of his draft of the first round of his draft class acquired contri- acquired to take on the Ennis Canner's contract from the Celtics. Yeah. And yeah, they buy the pick and you know, plug him in, and look, he's a, he was a really nice three and D type of guy as a rookie, but purely a catch and shoot guy. Over eighty percent of his three point shots came uh, catch and shoot. He takes more threes off the dribble now than he does catch and shoot. He shoots it better off the dribble now than he does catch and shoot. Already this season, he's played eleven games. He's taken more off dribble threes than he did in his entire rookie mm. year. And it's this is thing like this is you know they sent him to he he was a big time contributor as a rookie. They still send him to summer league, which is unusual. And they say, hey, you're playing point guard in the summer. That's not your position, but we want you working on those skills. That helps him take the kind of a leap to where uh, John Morant got most improved player. But he's like, dude, Des, here's the trophy. You deserve this more than I do. And then you know we talked about it coming in the season. He slimmed down. Uh, he, he felt like he got a little too bulky last year, 235, 240. His back acted up during the playoffs. And, he, you know, he's, I need to slim down. He came in about, you know, in the mid-220s. He's quicker. And, and you know, I talked to him yesterday. The primary focus of his offseason in terms of on the floor was just continuing to be able to, to create off the dribble. And it, it's creating threes. It's, it's getting downhill. It's the playmaking. And like I get why he went as late as he did in the draft. Um, the wingspan thing, like that teams care about wingspan. And I'm not gonna say it's not a factor. Like if he had longer wing, you know, longer. He's a little older too, right? Didn't he didn't well, he? Play? Yeah, he was a yes. four-year college player who's yeah. a short two guard with short arms. Right. So and he so dropped in the draft. The right. short the wingspan, arms like get those threes off nicely. Sure do. do. Now, like I think I think you do see it show up. Like he's shooting 50%. Uh, around the rim right now, a ton of attempts. Like he's getting in there. I think if he had longer arms, he'd be a better finisher. I think you know he'd he'd get more deflection, all those all those kind of things. But he's obviously still a hell of a player. And as John Morant said, is having an All Star season at this point. Uh, the four year thing though is what is really interesting because the thing was ah four year guy, 
not a lot of upside. Nobody has improved as much in over the last yeah. two years as Desmond Bain. Yep. So, you know, and, and the Grizzlies, to their credit, they looked at that and they said, this guy got better significantly every single year that he was at TCU. We expect yep. that to continue. And it has. Well, and they, they, they what if he wins most like, improved this year? What if, what if he, what he's if in the conversation? Has, he's got yeah. a real shot at it. Look, his last year at TCU, his sophomore juniors, he averaged around two and a half assists a game. And his senior year, he averaged 3.9, just under four. And and I know the Grizzlies looked at that and were like, this is a guy who, to McMahon's point, like is capable of doing some stuff with the ball. And like you said, like him going back and playing in summer league last year and running point for them and developing that, like you, you've seen the natural progression of that going forward. And, you know, for them, when they get in the playoffs, you know, again, like for as great as Jai is, like you need to have other people on the court who can yes. attack the defense and create plays and make plays for other people. And now if you've got him averaging, you know, four or five, six assists a game, you know, that stat line you listed off, Brian, is right around where Devin Booker's at. I mean, Booker's averaging a little more points per game, but like that's a big yeah. time, big time line. And you you line up those numbers across the board like that's clearly elite numbers at the shooting guard spot and gives them the kind of secondary creator they really need give to you be another a real threat. Let me give you another one. John Morant. Now, 11 I games. going to this one. Mm -hmm. John Morant from three-point range, gentlemen. 45% on five attempts a game so far. Average of 29 points. Right. And, you know, it is small. That's splash brother. That's splash brother. Bleak uh, we're whoa, talking about on, here, guys. You nah, just, blew, not, out, not you just the, blew out everybody's eardrums with that one. That's that okay. Bad. Not on the attempts, <laughs> but here's on the, you know, he's still like, it's not splash brother attempts, but the percentage obviously is in, insane. And that well, was but maybe not by today's standards, but I'm going to go back Look, in the ja, day. Like, if ja, they got if, the nickname Splash Brothers, they weren't averaging 20 attempts a game. They were listen, like 12, if, 13. If John ja, if ja Morant is going to hit, is going to take five threes a game and he's going to shoot, he's not going to shoot 45 for the year, probably. If he let's just say he shoots. Percent. I was going to say, let's say 37, 38%. Yeah. If he settles in at that with his speed and he becomes a guy you really have to respect that three point shot. And again, if you've got Desmond Bain creating shots, I, I don't have his catch and shoot numbers in front of me. I would guess. He's getting more catch and shoot threes than he did in the past, I would guess. And either yeah, way, and I'd have to look that up. But you know what's interesting is the where he really, yes, he needs to be able to catch and shoot. But the two things that he's really, I think, doing well are you want to go under the screen and give me one where I can just walk right into it? Okay, yep. I'm going to knock that down. And that's not no longer going to be a, a defensive tactic that you can use. Oh, you know, it's either, you know, not even necessarily fast break, but, you know, pushing it up the floor. You just want to think you can, you know, sprint back to the paint because he's obviously the most, one of the most devastating paint attackers that we've ever seen. Uh, let me just walk into this wide open three pointer and, and knock that down. If he's able to do that, God, he's just so explosive. Now we're raving all about these guys. The Grizzlies have stunk the joint up defensively this year. There you like, go. So not, fly, fly yeah. in the ointment. 24th in defense, and they're not even really close to 23rd. Yeah, and Jaws, Jaws is a bullseye. Jaws is straight up bullseye. He has, I've said it, the most spectacular defensive highlight reel of a bad defender in NBA history because he does get some chase down <laughs> blocks that are I mean, just like, you know, you he sure does make you laugh out loud and gasp and all that kind of stuff. But like, you know, like there was a possession last night, he got mismatched, and it was uh, Keldon Johnson who didn't play well, but it's a really nice young player. Um, and pops it, pop basically, Keldon points to the block and he just goes down there and, and bullies him. And Jaws, you know, he's 6'3, 174. He's and the effort comes and goes on that end. Uh, but the good news for the Grizzlies defensively is Jaron Jackson Jr. is, you know, as Taylor Jenkins says, it's still baby steps, but the baby steps have progressed to he's playing five on five now, right? He'll be back at some. I, I don't have an exact date. I don't. I'm not sure that if they even have a, a target date in mind, but it's sooner than later. And they need Jaron Jackson Jr. to be that just mistake erasing, uh, you know, flying all over the place, dominant defensive player that he was last year when he was a legit defensive player of the year candidate. 
Yeah, so, I feel like they've missed. I feel like they've missed him and Kyle Anderson a lot this year. I mean, Kyle Anderson has his issues at the other end in terms of shooting, but he's a really smart, solid, stable player at both ends. And you know, you talk about defensive numbers. I think you know that that's been a loss. But again, if Jaron comes back and is healthy, him playing instead of Santi Aldama, who's had a nice run filling in for him, that's certainly going to change some things at that end of the court. So last season, um, the Grizzlies were a bottom five defensive team for the first six or eight weeks of the season. Uh, Jaron Jackson was working his way back from off-season knee surgery, and um, it took him a while to become more of a force. Um, Once he got his legs up underneath him last year, he helped the Grizzlies soar all the way to sixth in defense by the end of last season, which is why they were the number two seed. We know they can score. They got there by their defense. So Jaron Jackson coming back is a factor for sure when he gets his legs underneath him as well. But um, Zaire they Williams do need- at some point too. He hasn't played yet this season because That's of uh, because of a knee issue, and he's one of their better defenders. By the yeah. way, they do really really like this this rookie first round pick Jake Laravia, who also is just sh- shooting. I mean, sh- shooting the lights out. Um, yeah, might be the the most pale complexion uh, gentleman in the NBA. Um, that's because the the man is not sunbaited. He's in the gym shooting, and you can see that paying off. Yeah, let me take a look at their uh, over because um, so Des Bain is second in the league in three pointers made as of this moment to Steph. He's nine behind Steph. Um, the Grizzlies are. In three point percentage, uh, six in the league, and um, that w- you know that's a remarkable improvement and a market weapon considering they got one of the best paint attackers in there. So um, that's definitely you know again it's we'll see where it ends up. Let me see where they were last year. They were seventeenth last year, so that move is potentially huge, especially in the modern NBA. Um, Real quick, when we talk about the ceiling of this team, you know, obviously we just talked about how much they need Aaron Jackson Jr. to make a difference defensively. If he, he needs to, he needs to refine his shooting stroke too. It was really rough last year, pretty much missed the whole year before that. If he can be- get back to shooting it like he did uh, Jaws rookie year, then they really got something cooking. Yeah, these are the field goal percentages for Jaron Jackson in his career. Uh, he's played four seasons, 51, 47, 42, 41. Yeah, and look Usually at this three you see percentages. It go the, the three-point percentages, you, you, not good. Last year he shot 32, but the year before was 28. Yeah, the, the year before that, that was what, like 38 or so? Uh, he's 30, started out, yeah, he, uh, good point. 36 that's what i'm saying if, if he can get back to being that guy yeah then well then the year he really shot 39 percent, he took seven a game right yeah so they, I mean, they needed to get pop with that. john it was it was it looked like it was a perfect you know he he looked like a perfect complimentary piece of jaw that year that's a big uh, swing thing that, for them needs to be able to shoot it no question that's a big big swing for them going forward you know i was just thinking about it while we were having this conversation as of right now who who do you who would you pick to come out of the West as of today? It's a hell of a question. I mean, I had the Warriors going into this season, and uh, the Warriors uh, starting five is still really good. A bit of a struggle, and there's the, the Warriors starting five is putting up. Good I'm numbers. sort of, yeah, I'm sort of tempted to pick Golden State because their starting five is like plus twenty seven per hundred possessions, and I think you can figure out a bench. But it's it's sort it's. I was just thinking about it. Like I don't. I, I don't have a good feel for who I would pick. Like it's, it's really wide open. Like all these teams, you know, I'm going to be at Celtics, uh, you know, Denver and Boston tomorrow. Um, Denver is certainly off to a good start. Dallas Denver, by the way, is good. leading the league in three point shooting percentage. Yeah. Uh, their starting lineup has been gangbusters too. Yeah. The, well, and out there finally healthy. McMahon just got drunk. Like is <laughs> what <laughs> is my little you, internet issues popping up? You're, now you're back. It just it just cut out at a perfect time, so you <laughs> sounded like you were twelve pops in. I got something it, to say. <laughs> you went to BB Kings, and it all just hit him at once. 
Um, I think that's our cue that uh, we need to wrap her up. Uh, thank you to good... our producer, Jackson Jello. By the way, Jackson gave me a stat midway through the podcast that um, Mikhail Bridges. I'm back, baby. <laughs> Mikhail Bridges never missed a game at Villanova either. So I wanted to give Jackson that. Um, thank you, Jackson. Thank you to our listeners. We've wrapped our first three a week pod. I can't believe I agree to this, guys. Um, might be might be had checking into the old asylum in about uh, another month or so. But um, I can't thank believe Bontemps and I are still banished to just the weekend. I mean, good Lord, well, no appreciation well, for the real stars here. Well, we'll see. <laughs> Last week, I should have. Well, we you talk about people who aren't happy with their roles. We, we need more touches, Bontemps. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> well, we did we did do three last week. We just had to throw one away. Uh, so <laughs> it was good preparation for it. Um, yeah. All right. Thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective. We'll talk to you next week. Adios, amigos. Adios.